a violin in our ears while the enemy is formulating an attack on us. However, there is an enemy attacking many of you today or formulating and preparing an attack on your families, your home, your church. That's why Paul says, wake up, sleeper. Don't wait for something to happen to all of the sudden race up in arms. I remember, Brother Bobby, September 11th. All of the sudden, millions of people became patriotic. They waved their flags and said, we'll go. Thousands of young men and women joined the armed forces and started to defend the United States. But it all happened after we were attacked and thousands flooded the churches. But I tell you, those terrorists had been planning an attack for years. And there's an enemy planning an attack on you right now. Say right now. Right now. There's an enemy planning an attack on each one of us right this very moment. 1 Samuel 17, 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled in Judah. See, the Philistines and the Israelites were preparing for war. And there came a champion out of the Philistines, scaring everybody. Little David would face that enormous giant. See, when David confronted Goliath, he had a sling and a few rocks. He didn't use a sword or anything he wasn't familiar with. And many Christians could be wondering or asking themselves, what can I use against this war? Then we will use what we have at our disposal. You too will use whatever you have in your hand, whatever you have available. The Bible calls Goliath the giant, however... Brother Israel, the real giant was David. See, all Goliath did was wake up the sleeping giant within David. If it hadn't been for Goliath, there might not have been a giant slayer. Sometimes we need a giant circumstance to wake us up, amen? Sometimes we need a big deal to happen in our lives to wake us up. During the attack, Rear Admiral Isoruku Yamamoto said, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and filled him with a terrible resolve. Japan woke that sleeping giant. And I hate to put it like this, but little did Japan know we had a power at our disposal that unleashed a tremendous amount of energy the world had never seen before. But I tell you, I have something more powerful than that atomic bomb today. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. <coughs> little did our enemy know we have a great power at our disposal. There is power within you. Say me. me. There is power within you. Some of you didn't know you had. See, you've been confronting situations in your life, ignoring there was a power at your disposal. All of a sudden, you've been a victim of circumstances and problems when you've been called to victory. I want to tell you this morning that there is a giant in you that must be awakened. There is a giant in each one of you that must be awakened to today's situation and today's warfare. Wars are not fought the same in every generation. We have different weapons of our disposal, but the weapon of God, brother and sister, is mightier than any weapon the enemy can form against the church. 1 Samuel 17 says that for 40 days, for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath would come to defile the armies of the Lord. 
Every day, Goliath would come to the camp of the Israelites. In the morning and the evening were very symbolical because it was the time of prayer for every Israelite. So when the people begin to pray and worship God, Goliath would come and begin to taunt the people. La, 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 la. Uh, and begin to, to make fun of God, would begin to make fun of all the people, would begin to make fun of, of their armies because nobody would dare come up and face big old Goliath. I mean, he was bigger than Debo, brother. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. That dude was huge. Everybody was scared of him. He was taller than anybody. And during the time of prayer, he would come and miss with their minds and miss with their, with, 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 with their braveness or whatever you want to call it. He would miss with them. But before David was great, I want to tell you something, young men, young ladies. Before David was great, his family didn't believe in him because at the time of the anointed, David was left out there in the field. Nobody really cared about David. Really, David, little David, you're going to, no, no, you're not, no, the prophet is coming. You go ahead and take care of the lamb. Go ahead and take care of the sheep. See, in time of war, he took food to his brothers. Instead of training David for war, David was given the task of, here you go, we're going to pack the lunch and we're going to send it to your brothers who are out there fighting in the front. What I'm trying to tell you is that you could be a David. No one putting an eye on you. No one caring for you. But David did something nobody saw that you could do today. David put on the armor of God. David put on the armor of God and he awoke that giant that was within him and unleashed a power nobody had ever saw. Unleashed a great power. We got to display the same attitude David displayed. He said, no sir, you will not talk about my God, Goliath. You will not talk about my people and you will not speak bad about my land. See, we got to do the same. We got to wake up and say, Satan, it's time you leave my family alone. Wake up the sleeping giant within you. The Bible tells us greater is he that is in you than he that is in What I'm trying to tell you is that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive an enormous amount of power. We don't have to cower down. We don't have to be afraid of the weapons formed against us. Because they will not do us any harm. But many times Christians are cowering down. To the whispers, to the threats of even war. We don't want to stand up for ourselves. We don't want to stand up for our families. We don't want to stand up for our church. See, the truth is that we are at war. However, this war is different from that what you are used to seeing on television, movies, or magazines. I often tell my children that when... We watch a movie sometimes, you'll see a grenade will blow up and there's a huge fire and a huge explosion and, and somebody's throwing out and, and then they get up and continue to fight. That's not how it happens in real life. When a grenade is blowing up, it, it, it sends shrapnel in every direction and it affects up to a killing radius of 15 meters. Amen. The whole ground shakes. It's different than what you see in the movies 
I remember that when 9-11 happened, many people were saying that it looked like the movies, but it was just different. Something was going on, and, and they looked at it in awe, and many people, as the towers were coming now, people were just standing there. I mean, come on, the towers are coming now, and I'd get up and run the other way. You, you, you got to do something, church. We, we got to wake up to, 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 to that picture that Hollywood is trying to paint uh, of who Satan is and who God is and, and there's movies coming out and, and trying to fool the people about who God is and, and, and all that sort of junk but we got to stand up because we are at war. After serving in the military we're able to distinguish friend from foe sometimes because the enemy now camouflages himself as a civilian but there is such a thing as uniform. See, when you're called to God, when you come to God and you decide, I want to be in the army of the Lord. I give myself to God. I, 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 you get baptized full of the Holy Spirit. God puts a uniform on you. He puts a seal of anointing on you. You might not be able to see it, but he sees it. He knows ahead. See, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I Meaning he knows the greatness that you will become. See, we often forget that the devil was also in glory at one time, and he knows the rank structure. He knows the presence of God better than many Christians know the presence of God. He knows when God is moving. He knows when God has put a seal on you. He knows when God has put that uniform on you. And he wants to stop you from becoming that high rank that God is going to give you. See, Satan does not attack you for your present. You're here. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm here. The, the devil's not attacking you right now trying to stop you to, from coming to church. You're already at church. Amen? The devil's not trying to stop you, Brother Noy, from becoming a trump player. You're already a trump player. The devil's not trying to stop some of you from preaching. You're already a preacher. He's afraid of your future. He does not want you to be used of God. See, you might see yourself as a little insignificant private, which is the lowest rank in our military right now. But God and Satan can see you as a great general. See, privates are the lowest. They do the dirtiest jobs. They complain the most. They clean toilets. I got to do that, Brother Bobby, and it wasn't fun, but it's part of the process. See, you might be doing a little job and say, when am I going to rise in rank? When is God going to use me? And it's prevalent among young people or even ushers. I served as an usher once, and I'm, how long will I be at the door? You're at the door as long as God wants you to be at the door. You're a musician as long as God wants you to be a musician. You're a host of a, of a a cell group home as long as God wants you to be a host of a cellular home. Praise God. But see, many of you might say, well, I'm a private. I don't do nothing. I clean toilets. I do this. You're, you're, you're acting like a private because privates complain. Uh-huh. See, private complain to anyone that would hear them. But leaders, leaders don't complain down. Leaders complain up. Amen. Leaders will take it up to the leader and, and bring it up to the ear of the leader. But one day, one day, one day, everybody say one day. You're going to commend armies. You might not see it now, but one day you're going to be a commander of divisions. You're going to be a commander of regiments. You're going to be a commander of whole armies. You just got to wait for your rank to move up. 
You don't see it yet. The devil sees what rank God has put upon you. See, you may think you're a private and you have nothing right here that shows that you have any rank structure. But God has put several stars on your collar already. Your chest is filled with medals because of all the battles you've been in. Praise God. You might not see it, but the devil sees it. And he's trying to stop you from becoming a general of God. If we're going to speak of war, we must speak of the military. And I want you to see yourself in the military this morning. Today we have brave men and women waging war against the enemy all over the world. And I want you to see yourself as a soldier of Christ. Or even better yet, I want you to see yourself as a Marine of God. See, what's the purpose of a soldier? What's the purpose of a Marine? The purpose of a soldier is to fight our country's battles. Any climb, any place. We fight the enemy in the mountains, and we have. We'll fight the enemy in the oceans, and we have. We fight the enemy in the desert, we just did, and we defeated him. We'll fight the enemy in the air, and we have. In space, and we're ready for that. Any climb, any place. I wonder how many Christians will say, I will fight the devil at any climb, any place. It doesn't matter where the enemy wants to meet me. I'm going to be ready to fight him. First, a soldier must always be ready. Say, be ready. Be ready. Or as the Bishop T.D. Jakes will say, be ready, be ready, be ready. A soldier must always be ready. If that warrior is not ready, he is at risk of dying and also risks the lives of those near him. Be ready. Train. Train. You train so much, brother Noe, that everything that you do becomes muscle memories. You train so much that if I'm laying down in a cot with my eyes closed and I sense somebody walking to the tent and I have my eyes closed and I smell, I can say, it's brother Noe. We're so close together. We're so, we're, we have a bond so close that we know. Sister Katie, when somebody farts, you know who it was. I'm telling you. And we can smell each other, and to ourselves, we don't smell bad. I remember coming off the field for a, a three weeks in the field without a shower, coming home, and my wife wouldn't even give me a hug. Because I would smell so much. I wonder what it would be if we would just come together and fill ourselves with the presence of God. Then when we got home, people would be like, oh, wow, there's something different about you. See, my wife knew I was training because and sweating and all that, right? Because I would come home from the field. She's like, yeah, you've been training. How about when we come home and somebody say, oh, you've been praying. Train. Everybody say train. Be ready. Be ready. The Bible says study to show thyself approved. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightfully dividing the word of truth. Train. You train so much that everything becomes muscle memory. Muscle memory. We say in the military, you don't try to memorize something. It's hard to memorize something. But the mother of all learning is repetition. Right? The mother of all learning is repetition. I tell you kids at school, don't try to memorize something. Just read it over and over and over again. And it will become muscle memory. 
it becomes so much muscle memory that if we have our weapon, our M16, M4, and it fails, I'm going to throw it to the side, get my weapon that's right here, my gun, and start using my gun. And I know where everything is situated. I know where everything is in my body. I know how many bullets I have in, my, in, in, in each magazine that I carry. Why? Because you're ready and you train yourself. And we got to do the same thing in the church. we got to train so much that everything becomes muscle memory. That if somebody comes and asks you a Christian question or a question about Christ or a question about salvation, many Christians don't know how to answer. Why? Because you are not ready. It has not become muscle memory to you if we're not ready somebody could die if we're in a patrol and the whole team got ready but one didn't that person could cost everybody the lives in church sometimes and it's happened before one person can take others away from the presence of God. One, one person can run a whole family off from church. Why? Because you failed to be ready. Do you, I wouldn't want to be that person that would make others fall or take others from the church because of a simple, dumb disagreement. There's no time to disagree when we're in combat. There's no time. You just take orders and you keep on moving. No matter what, because lives depend on it. There's no time to ask questions sometimes. Sometimes we fail to see the big picture. I remember one time in clearing houses. The captain said, let's clear this house. The whole thing seemed dumb to me. Like, why are we going to clear this house? This is, this is dumb. But I didn't ask questions at the moment. We took the platoon and we took the squad and let's go and charge this house. Why, Sergeant? Because the captain said so. Shut your mouth and keep on moving. And we did. But later after the battle, then I go and ask the captain, hey, Skipper, just want to formulate the battle picture in my mind. Why did we attack this house? And the skipper was able to formulate or give me the whole picture or the battlefield. You know what? We have another platoon on the other side that was attacking at the other end of the street. Had we started at the other end, we might have been involved in friendly fire. We would have probably killed each other. See, I didn't see that. I didn't see that big picture. But he was talking to the commander. He had the map. He had everything. We only took orders and we followed them and we moved on. Sometimes in the church, we don't see the big picture that the pastor sees but we gotta continue moving on what does a warrior do to constantly be ready train I like what General Krulak said he said training is preparation for what's expected training is preparation for what's expected and studying is preparing yourself for the unknown Studying is preparing yourself for the unknown. Second Timothy said, we already read it, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want you to imagine yourself. Close your eyes for a moment. Just for a brief moment. As best as you can, I want you to imagine yourself in combat. Some of you saw the pictures or the videos of Syria being attacked, little children dying, gasping for air. 
Shots are being fired, bombs, grenades, screams, and chaos and confusion all around you. It's combat. They call it the fog of war because you really can't see what's, what's ahead. Now imagine your family in that battle. You can open your eyes. What would your reaction be? Imagine, I imagine you would do everything in your power to defend them. Brother Noe had the opportunity to do that just a few days ago. The truth is that we are in the midst of a battle, and many of you have not done a thing. Many sit back and relax. It's not my fight like the United States posture was before World War II. It's, it's not my fight. It's not against me. I'm just going to chill back and relax. I'm here to tell you, yes, the battle is against you and your family. And we are all at risk. There are two very essential things the enemy will attempt to destroy. Say two. One of them is communication. When we went into Iraq, the first thing we wanted to do is knock off their communication. If they can't talk with each other, they can't move. They can't maneuver their forces against us. If, we, if they can't communicate, we, we can just overrun them and do anything we want. Because we have communication. We have great, great technology. But when we destroyed their, their technology, if there was a force up in the front that needed, that needed supplies, they couldn't communicate to, to the rear to the command post and say, we need supplies because there's no communication. You destroy the enemy if you destroy their communication. And number two is resources. Everybody say resources. Resources are your supply, logistics, your beans, bullets, and band-aids. Beans, every soldier's got to eat. Bullets, you got to kill. And band-aids, you got to cure those that are wounded. We have that in the church. We got to have communication with God. And the enemy is no fool. He's an expert in warfare. He's been doing this for centuries. And the enemy knows that if he destroys your communication with God, he's got you. I'm going to say that again. The enemy knows that if he destroys your communication with God, he's got you. I'm going to bring it a little bit closer. The enemy knows that if he destroys your communication with your spouse, he's got you. If he destroys the communication with your children, he's got you. He wants your communication and he wants your supplies, your logistics, your resources, your beans, your food. What's your food in church? The word of God. Your bullets. That's the Holy Spirit, the flame, the fire, and band-aids. That's when we fall back and cry unto God and hide in his presence. The Bible says that he is my high tower. The enemy's mission. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and? In order to want to kill someone, you must hate him a lot. You've got to have a lot of hate. I'm taken back to the history of World War II and all the name-calling that the American soldiers did against the Germans. They called them all sorts of names. And, and the Japanese, Japanese, the Nips, and, and they called them other horrible names I'm not going to mention here today. Because there was hatred against them for what they had done. A lot of hate. In order to shoot somebody and kill somebody, you got to hate them. You battle with that. It takes over you. The enemy hates you so much. 
that he wants to kill you because you've taken his place in worship. That's why it's hard for people to worship because he wants your praise. He wants your victory. And he wants to steal and destroy the plan of God in your life. Your marriage, your children, your health, your faith, your joy, your calling. I love Sister Aurora's attitude toward her situation. I called her on the phone and I said, Sister, I can't go see you. I'm in the hospital with my wife. She's going through this little thing that, you know, she's got to have removed and all this and that. And, and, and she said, don't worry about it, Brother Joe. I'm... I'm in victory. I'm, I'm blessed. And, and she started to say all these things that, wow, you've just been given bad news. And, 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 and you're saying things that a lot of normal people wouldn't say. But, see, she knows her battle. She knows the enemy. And she's confronting it head on. There's a lot of people who get bent out of shape, who get sick. Some even run from the word, uh, from the presence of God. They run from church. Oh, God's not going to heal me. So what if he doesn't heal you? Paul said, for me to die is gain. It's to be forever in the presence of the Lord. Now, how do we fight this battle? How do we win this war? You must declare what side you're on. You must declare what side you're on. You got to make up your mind. Who are you fighting for? Are you fighting for God? If you're not for God, then you are against Him. Use what God has given you. Use what's at your disposal. In the military, we call it weapons of opportunity. If I'm in a firefight, Brother Bobby, and my weapon jam, or I run out of bullets, and my gun jams, I run out of bullets, then if I'm in a house or I'm in this place, I'm going to grab this microphone and I'm going to throw it upside the head of the enemy. That's a weapon of opportunity. So what do you do? What do you do in a situation, in a spiritual situation, that you're being tempted and, 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 and you're full of the Holy Ghost, but man, this temptation is coming hard. I can't, man, I, I got to have this or uh, I got to go do this. Then you use the weapons of opportunity. One of them is running. The Bible says flee youthful temptations. The Bible says run from that temptation. Don't entertain that thing. Then you use whatever is at your disposal. Disposable. I, I, I can't tell you what a weapon of opportunity is. It could be anything. So likewise also in the spiritual sense, there are many weapons of opportunity you can use. Jesus Christ used the word of God. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. See, the sword of the Spirit, or the Word of God, and prayer are very important. And we mentioned that already. The mission of the Marine Rifle Team. I put this in my notes because I deemed it important. The mission of the Marine Corps Rifle Team. A rifle team is composed of four or five members. Four or five assault members. It's to locate. And put this in spiritual terms. To locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver. Or to repel the enemy's attack by fire and close combat. See, to locate, 
close with and destroyed the enemy by fire maneuver. If the enemy has taken away your victory, then it's time you go back and get it. You're going to fight them whichever way or however you're going to fight them, but you're going to fight them. You're going to go and attack them by fire, by Holy Ghost fire, and maneuver by moving and escaping the enemy and not letting him touch you. Or to repel the enemy's attack by fire in close combat. That's the defense posture. Now if the enemy's attacking you, you're going to repel back by fire and close combat. In the military, we have immediate action drills. And I'm going to close with this. We have IA drills, immediate action drills. These are, t or there are times when contact with the enemy is unexpected. Say unexpected. It's a surprise. You don't expect it. For this, we have immediate action drills. For example, for a far ambush... It's over 50 meters. The killing zone is under very heavy, highly concentrated firing, but from a greater distance. The range allows people in the killing zone to seek cover and return fire. For example, if I'm 50 meters away or I'm here and across the street over the, down yonder, they say in North Carolina, down yonder, the enemy is attacking you, you have time to maneuver and seek cover or call in artillery. Well, the same thing in a spiritual sense. If you see an attack coming in front of you, probably several days ahead of you or, or whatever it may be, then you have time to go in and find refuge in God and pray and fast and do all that. That's, that's, that's how you find refuge if you see an attack coming a couple of days from you. Amen? See, with this type of ambush, you must perform immediate assault used when you are caught in a near ambush. Church, no. oh, was that the wrong one? Yep. Then you do a hasty ambush. It's used when you see the enemy before being seen. A hasty ambush is used when you see the enemy before being seen. You quickly move into a concealed area and engage the enemy or allow him to pass. I like what Psalms 91 4 says. It says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. We can hide in the presence of God. In a close ambush, that's when things happen all of a sudden. How many of you have had something happen all of a sudden? Like, man, I didn't see that coming. It happens a lot, right? Well, in a close ambush, the killing zone is under heavy, highly concentrated, close-range firing. The manual says to turn in the direction of the ambush, stay in a line, and assault through the ambush. The best way to survive a near ambush is to push through it. You run, you're going to die tired. Okay, how do we translate that into spiritual terms? Some people will get attacked spiritually all of a sudden. What do they do? They turn back. When you turn back, you flee from the presence of God, and there's no protection. You're going to die spiritually tired. But the Bible says we got to push through. Or the manual says we got to push through. That's the best way of survival. With this type of ambush, you must perform an immediate, immediate assault. Use when you are caught in a near ambush. Turn in the direction of the ambush and assault the ambush. The characteristics of an immediate action drill is speed, simplicity, and aggressiveness. Stop playing patty cakes with Satan and the enemy, whatever your situation might be, and be aggressive. Somebody in the keyboard, please. There's this famous quote from General Ferdinand Foch when he held firm to prevent the French army from being overturned in the Battle of the Marne in 1914. So here's this guy in the middle of a battle, and he's surrounded. 
and headquarters radios and ask for a sit rep or a situation report. What's your situation? See, that communication is very important. And the captain turned and said, Sir, I am hard-pressed on my right. My center is yielding. Impossible to maneuver. Situation excellent. I'm attacking. Some of you may seem like you're going through a situation like Job. You can't see God on the right side or feel his presence on the right. He is far removed on the left. In front of you, you can't see God. Behind you, he's not there. That's what Job felt. You might be going through the same situations as you stand with me. But know that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And all you got to do is turn to the enemy and say, you know what? I may be hard-pressed on my right. My center is yielding, impossible to maneuver. However, my situation is excellent. I'm still alive. I still have the means to fight. I'm still attacking. Why shouldn't we fear? We shouldn't fear because for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have a daddy who is protecting us 24 hours, 7 days, 365 days. He's always watching over us. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The altar is open this morning. You got to make up your mind who you're going to serve. You got to realize that we are at war. We are in a spiritual war. You might not see it. Maybe everything's going well in your family. Maybe your children are great. Your, your family's doing great. You're being blessed. That's wonderful. But the enemy is forming a plan against you. It may be tomorrow, it may be a week from now, it may be a month from now that just a simple phone call can turn your world upside down. Just a simple phone call, maybe a visit to the doctor can turn your situation backwards. The question is, will you be ready? See, in the military... We always train even during peacetime. Why? Because we train for that day of battle that it may come. We hope it doesn't come, but yet we are trained. Today, this very moment, this morning, why don't you come and train? Why don't you come fill this altar and ask God to fill you with, with His power? Why don't you ask God for those resources? Why don't you ask God for those weapons of warfare? Say, God, I don't know how to fight this battle. But I know you're going to pull me through. God, I, I don't know this enemy that I'm facing. And, and yet it may be chaotic because the enemy may be disguised as something you've never seen before. The enemy is going to camouflage himself. He might appear to you as a civilian, as terrorists do nowadays. You, the enemy doesn't come in uniform. He doesn't present in front of you as a, as a warrior. He might, he's going to come to you as a coward. But he's going to attack you. He's going to attack your mind. He's going to attack your heart. He's going to attack your children. If not for your sake, for your children's sake, for your family's sake.
Are you ready? Are you ready to wage war against the enemy if he were to knock on your door tomorrow? I want to be ready, God. Prepare me, God. Make me ready, Lord. Vigilant. Lord God, make me a watchman, God, upon the walls of my house. Make me a watchman, God, at my gate.